0: Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, Agency Owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures By overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit for project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners, welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And this week, we have a very good friend of mine, Allison Caffrey, who's going to be, who is joining us today. Allison is a SOP and process and operations master. She has created, her and her company have created over a thousand SOPs for agencies and other types of businesses just in 2021 alone. And I know for me personally, I created about three this year personally, I'm sure. So her batting at 1,000 is a very impressive number. She has a 13-person team at operations agency, and many people call her the wolf, a uh, a nod to Pulp Fiction for those fans out there. She serves dozens of agencies, helps them build out SOPs and, and operations processes for their business, and we're uh, very fortunate to have her as a, as a guest mentor and regular expert within our U Academy community. So Allison, welcome back to the program.
1: Thanks, Brent. I'm pumped to be here.
0: So, you're we we you've been on the podcast before. And so if you are listening to today's episode and you want to know I think a little bit more of your backstory, right? I would definitely check out that other episode, but uh that episode we recorded like pre COVID, like it was a different world. Uh <laughs> Yes, so how have how have you seen SOPs and processes change in the last couple of years? Has any of it changed for you or is it is it all still business as usual?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot has changed for businesses since the pandemic, right? And it really has gone even more virtual, right? Relationships that used to happen and further in person, even if you are a fully virtual team, You would do maybe some meetups, or maybe you would do some events, or you would do some annual planning or quarterly planning together. And there was a lot of opportunity to deepen and strengthen relationships inside of the business. And now it's gone completely and fully remote. right? And it's really difficult sometimes, I think, especially when you're in kind of the planning phase of things to do so in a remote environment. So what used to be strengthened by really healthy planning sessions in person potentially, right? Thinking through, okay, what is this process? How might we go through this? How might we serve our customer, right? Like whiteboarding it out. Now everything has kind of gone uh, gone digital. And I think that, um, you know, it's tough. You know, we were also even speaking about you know in person events and things right in general right with customers and with team right that process itself needs to be as good on paper right digitally or as good on the screen right as it is in person and so i think it's been a struggle for folks to say okay well now instead of sending you know Giving someone something in person or delivering an in-person workshop, right? We've really had to change fundamentally the way that we operate. Um, You know, I know that that's true for a lot of businesses so far, and I think it's going to stay that way for a little while. You know, I think that we have kind of made some permanent changes to being fully 100% remote. And that changes the way you train your team. That changes the way you plan your quarter, the way you plan your year. Um, So all the internal operations need to be able to withstand kind of that that distance, right? We've gone from uh, high school sweethearts to going to separate colleges, right? We need to like form that long long distance relationship with people now.
0: And that's you know, it's interesting because I feel like like strategic planning is has always been something that the best the best work I've done in that space has been in person with a team in a room in a whiteboard, mm-hmm. ordering luncheon, you know, with a clear yeah. and, and coherent agenda <laughs> over a couple of days and just and hammering it out. and i have I have personally struggled to reproduce that magic. <laughs> In in Zoom, we we do like pretty pretty well. I mean, there are, are are obviously benefits of being remote, where I can go do my strategic planning sessions with my team, and then you know the second that that meeting is over, I'm like I'm at home, and I can just go and you know I can kind of stack my day right more. Yeah. But I've always found that that like driving to a place or flying and going to a hotel and you know getting a conference room for a couple of days has been has been a really cool process. So like at a tactical level just the the logistics of planning in the post-covid space what what are you seeing that has worked for people to be able to get the same or similar results through through zoom type sessions?
1: Yeah. So that is, I would say, probably one of the biggest things. Obviously, being end of the year, right? We're in a position where we're planning for 2022. And I think that the biggest way that you can kind of, I don't want to say manufacture that in person relationship, but give enough runway for your team to be able to give meaningful feedback and for everyone to kind of ponder and wrap their heads around what they're going after this year is to give more time. So if, for example, you were in a position where you were going to plan over a weekend, right? Let's just say it was a long weekend. So three days or two days. Give a runway of about a week or two weeks, right? Let things sit with folks. Let um, kind of the system start to run. And then when you're in a position where you're like, okay, this got, let's just say a day or two of testing and maybe it's not going to work out, then we can come back and have a meaningful conversation with the team and say okay what went well about that thing that we were um, you know thinking of implementing and then what didn't? What might we need to address? You know, with with everybody. And so I think that the times you know that we have in between sessions, if we take our team to say Breckenridge, right, like and have a beautiful weekend, we'll be eating dinners and getting up early for coffee and like hanging out in the lobby of the hotel. And those are all extra time outside of even if we plan for eight hours a day, right? Outside of kind of the core planning time to really sit with you know, what is happening with the team? What do I want to accomplish this year? What is the business trying to accomplish this year? So giving kind of that runway or those kind of augmented, um, you know, timeframes for the team, I think has been really helpful for the folks that we've been planning with. Um, We're planning currently right now with about a 250 person software company. And they're in a position right now where they've given two weeks for their annual planning, just because we need to make sure that all of the things we can kind of test, um, you know, beforehand, you know, because we're not in a position where we can kind of whiteboard them all out in person.
0: That's really interesting because even when I'm, when you were talking, I started kind of writing down notes and I'm going, okay, yeah, if we if we normally would have done two days for annual planning, 8 a.m., maybe we're getting into the conference room, or maybe we say, hey, at 9 a.m. start, but mm-hmm. hey, we'll have coffee and, you know, snacks in the morning, right? You kind of get there and you shoot the breeze with team members. There's that informal, it feels like a little bit lower risk environment to like lob, ideas or test things, yeah. right? Uh, and then, you know, you maybe you have a 9 a.m. a 9 a.m. start and you go to 5 p.m. with a lunch break, but then maybe you're all going to go out to dinner together. And realistically, mm-hmm. you're together 8 a.m. to, to 8 p.m. And I can imagine there's probably an agency owner, an entrepreneur out there who's like, "Ah, I'm going to reproduce this on Zoom, and you know makes everybody bring their like sack lunch to their computer. I
1: hope they can. You will be on Zoom for (laughs) eight a.m.
0: to eight p.m. with me, right? Like we will, I will, you know, we will figure this out. We're going to just reproduce it, and and I almost look at it like, you know, I mean, in person as a medium is just a different medium than virtual, and you know, I I like that idea of saying, okay, well, if we're going to, I mean, if you're going to spend two days together. 12 hour days that's 24 hours of like team time and on Mm -hmm. zoom 24 hours on zoom over two days sounds to me like a great recipe for a late afternoon panic attack where you're like wow I've been on zoom all day I'm kind of like I'm starting to freak out right I've been in a room talking to a screen or a camera for like 12 hours right like whenever we do our virtual event for a couple of days I'm always like I'm always a little bit weird (laughs) <laughs> by the end of it, I mean, usually I'm weird on like with with in-person events, but I'm like spent and I'm feeling good and full. Whereas Zoom events for a couple of days, I'm always like, I don't know, I'm just a little tweaky by the end of it. Just too too much time in front of a camera. But the um, but but taking that same 24 hour concept and saying, let's spread this out over two weeks. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're now taking, you know, you're doing uh, you know, 12 hours of meetings in one week. 12 hours of meetings and maybe it's not even meetings maybe some of it's spread out over other channels but you're kind of getting 12 hours of or 24 total hours of quality time together as a team but you're you're really doing it over a longer period of time i think that's genius
1: Right. Cause if you make an agenda, right, and then you say these are the eight micro meetings we need to have or the six micro meetings we need to have, right? And they're about an hour or two in length, right? Discussing a specific topic. I even would imagine that your team comes to the table a little bit more dialed in and focused on that specific thing. You know, we were just speaking before the, you know, the session went live here about like distractions around the home office, right? You really aren't getting the full attention of the person who is sitting there, you know, talking with you on Zoom, especially not over a 12-hour period, right? If you're in one meeting for 12 hours. So yeah, absolutely. I think try it out and see how it goes. Um, It also can decrease some of your team's time spent in those meetings. So let's just say, for example, you've got a customer service initiative that you want to work on from an annual planning perspective. You just ask the CS team to be there, right? For that specific meeting. And we don't have to have everyone be in 12 hours of meetings.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's great too, as people start thinking about their how to how to execute their annual plan for their planning time for 2022 and a lot of us have playbooks whether from traction or whatever right hey if you're gonna do a two-day you know two-day plan right here's how you do it you know i'm sure i know there's a lot of eos consultants out there i I doubt they're running (laughs) two weeks of strategic planning with their clients right there's they're basically they took it in person and and probably a lot of them though at this point are doing in-person stuff with you know, I mean, I, I think there's a great case in a in a virtual team to if 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 safety right health and safety allows for it to to go ahead and, and fly, go go be with each other for two mm-hmm. or three days. And then, you know, and I think right now it's it's a pretty decent. It, it's okay. I think maybe. I mean, who knows with this whole like Omicron and whatever if that's going to change. But I mean, I think <laughs> it's I definitely think an still, individual choice. <laughs> it's definitely. Yeah, there we go. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll tow that line. <laughs> if you are going to run a virtual team, I know one of the things that I've always kind of like having everybody fly out, right. You're like, Oh, it's going to cost a ton of money or whatever, but I'm always like, but it's so good when you get that time in a, in a room.
1: Yeah. It's unlike anything else you can do with your team for sure.
0: Hey, what's up agency owners. Quick question for you. Could your client retention rate be better? Most small businesses are terrible at closing leads. So it's pretty common to churn lead gen clients quickly but I've been really impressed with a new all-in-one marketing platform that actually closes leads without clients having to get involved. The platform, which is called HighLevel, is built specifically for agencies, and the best part is you can white-label it so you can present it to your clients as your own software and collect that sticky software revenue in addition to your services charges each month. HighLevel normally has a 14-day free trial, but as a member of the YouGurus community, you have access to an extended 30-day trial, which you can access at gohighlevel.com forward slash uGurus. That's gohighlevel.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. All right, let's get back to the program. What about processes? Because a lot of companies had processes for doing a lot of things that stopped working. And so I, I know some people that kind of threw out processes. <laughs> not like, not processes specifically, but like processes as an idea. They're like, screw it. You know, yeah, you can't build processes for anything now, right? I mean, is that true, or is it yeah. is it more yes just rebuilding no. them?
1: I think the term I've heard so much in the past um like couple of weeks is influx. <laughs> Everyone thinks they're influx, and that processes are something that they probably shouldn't create because so many things are uncertain. And while I definitely understand not wanting to duplicate work, there are still some things that folks are going to do no matter what, right? You're still gonna have accounts receivable and accounts payable. You're still gonna be onboarding team members, you're still gonna show someone how to use your project management tool that you've set up. You're still going to do core things to, you know, enroll folks into a program or into a core service or something like that, right? So even though maybe the elements of the core service might be changing because you used to offer an in-person workshop and now you're doing something digital, right? It, it, those types of elements could easily be. Maybe put to the back burner in terms of documentation, right? But the core elements or the core tenants, right, of your business truthfully probably aren't changing. Um, Now, I know that that probably isn't totally true for folks, let's just say in the restaurant industry, right? Um, But really, what I've found is that we're in kind of two buckets, right? Post pandemic businesses, right? We're either in the, I had to hire a ton of people to meet demand, and none of those people know what the heck they're doing, right? They have no idea because we don't have SOPs, we don't have training, or we've had to gut half our team because we just don't have the business coming in and now we have to reallocate areas of responsibility to people who, you know, might might have already had a really full plate, right? And so we got to kind of figure out what their new roles and responsibilities are or, you know, you know, SOPs that they're running and things like that. So those are typically the two camps I find people in, and not for nothing, it's uh, useful in both of those cases. Everyone I've talked to who's been through this and come out on the other side has had some form of documentation, some way to point back to the team, to a new person, to a person that they've had who's kind of morphed into two roles because they've had to downsize. Um, SOPs have been been super helpful, and usually, if we can document, let's just say, close to half of the things that we're doing really, really well that aren't going to change, then that leaves the other half of the things that even if they're in flux, um, they're a little easier, right, to take on.
0: So I, I like that idea of, you know, not throwing out processes just because some processes stopped working, that there's a lot of things that happen that could be changing with your business or your model or your offer or your your market, but that, you know, you don't want to Uh, And I I hate this phrase, but you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right?
1: Yeah, because you could find that, you know, you do return back, right? I mean, I think we all are hopeful and agree that eventually, right, things are going to get back to in person events and eventually, right, we're going to be in a position where we can serve the market in the way we were serving them before the pandemic. Or maybe we went through a shift and we actually really like not doing in person events anymore, right? Maybe we're like, heck yeah, this was what I was waiting for. And I can't (laughs) wait to never do an in-person event again. And so if that's, you know, whoever that is out there, maybe they're like, well, great, this was the this was the crazy thing that needed to happen for me to have a new business that I love now. And so I think that even in some of the sessions with you know your with with your community, Brent, like a lot of folks when you start to take this um, soP conversation and think about like what am I doing? right? What am I doing well? What am I maybe not doing that well? What do I still need to flesh out? You can start to ask yourself, well, do I like this or not? And I think that we are all given that opportunity with the pandemic. I really do. I think that we were all given the opportunity to say, okay, I used to do this, but I do this now, and that's a rare opportunity. It's a rare to be, you know, externally forced on you. Right? A lot of folks have to do a lot of internal work before they can step up and say, okay, I used to be this, but now I'm going to be this. Um, so I think I think taking that as well um, as an opportunity um, to look at your SOPs is is really wise.
0: I think it's, it says a lot, though, too, to, you know, whether it's it's good times or bad times to create a culture of documenting what you're doing in the business. And, and my gut tells me the people that were doing really well with documentation and processes and SOPs pre-pandemic fared better than, you know, even if they had to throw out 90% of them, they fared better mm-hmm. than the people that, you know... Didn't do that, right? And I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, I'm glad I didn't build all those processes, right? Like I would have had to throw <laughs> them all out, right?" But I also feel like if you have that culture of
1: mm. SOP
0: pro- and process building, you know, just because you have to like get rid of a bunch of your SOPs that don't work, or like for us, I mean, you summit in person, I mean, we have a whole playbook, yeah, and it's it's getting a little dusty, you know. <laughs> But that doesn't
1: mean it's not valuable, right? Yeah. So like you used to be doing in-person events and you're like, Hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. But I could offer this to someone who might be doing in-person events in the future. I mean, SOPs in and of themselves are extremely valuable. It's the number two thing after cash flow when someone looks to acquire a business that they actually look at, right? And so it's it's incredibly valuable to anyone external from the business um, to be able to receive that and then just be able to deploy um, you know, what exactly you were doing and get pretty similar results. So I think that those still absolutely hold value. And I think you hit the nail on the head um, related to process culture because that is the number one issue. I think when I go through some work with some clients... And we build this beautiful, awesome playbook. And we've got this super tight knit, um, exciting project management system and all of these things in place. And then we're like, okay, well, now we need to get our team to buy in. We need our team to use it. We need our team to love it. We need our team to want to maintain it and want it to work well. And so I think that you're totally right. Folks who are doing that well pre-pandemic are still going to be in a position where they're going to, you know, take to change and, and, and process that a little bit easier than folks who are kind of, you know, flying by the sea of their. (laughs)
0: And speaking of of team buy-in and creating a culture here, I mean, what I can only imagine for you, you've probably gone into a lot of companies. You've probably created a lot of processes. And in some cases, I don't know how many, but I'm sure it has happened that the process... Like that's the last time the process gets opened was like when you created it and then it's published to the playbook and then nobody actually goes in and and uses it, right? Which of course we know what happens then, right? We end up in meetings talking about the same errors, the same challenges, the same issues, because people just were not using the standard operating procedure. But how do you get a culture? How do you get people to buy in to it and not feel like it's just one more thing, one more like an element of bureaucracy?
1: Yeah, give them skin in the game. Um, that's like the simplest way I can put it, right? I know a lot of folks who have done really well with processes who are like, okay, if you run this process properly, I should see this result and you are going to be compensated or... Given more time off or whatever it's going to be based on those results that you create. So I think processes created in a vacuum often do present the problem um, that you've just kind of given, um, where folks might not open it again, or it might just sit unused, and then we revisit it a year later, and it's totally unusable because so many things have changed in our business. Um, in this case, I always love to tie you know core metrics to either specific SOPs or banks of SOPs. Right. Let's just say, for example, you've got an onboarding system right that is comprised of 10 or 15 sops right and you've got folks who've got their hands in things and overall onboarding team right needs to be onboarding folks in less than 24 hours right or less than 48 hours and they need to absolutely be held to those um to those uh, key performance indicators and then give them some skin in the game um both in the in the actual metric right so say hey listen if we can onboard folks in less than 24 hours and that means that we end up you know keeping more customers right folks aren't refunding and doing what whatever else in the very beginning of working with us then that means you guys can take 1% of whatever is coming from that revenue stream that's number 1 so compensate them you know excitedly right and to make sure that they're excited about that that's so that and then the second is to just make sure that they have very, very clear um, expectations, right? They are able to, you know, kind of get their get their perspective in as well. So when you sit down to create the onboarding process, right, if you expect them to do it in under 48 hours, let's just say, um, they have some, you know, input into whether or not the process that we've laid out here, right, can be done in 24 or 48 hours, right? Um, I think that a lot of times what happens is is we thrust these expectations on folks without kind of getting their, their input and they feel like they've um, actually you know, actually submitted something and actually committed something by helping kind of devise the plan. So in short, give them some skin in the game with money, time off, whatever else. And then the second thing is make sure that they have their input. Make sure that they're able to, you know, get their, their two cents in.
0: That's awesome. How do you, how do you address... I, I know that in the agency space, in the creative space, a lot of people suffer from a bit of perfectionism. That they don't want to, you know, launch the website until it's perfect. They don't want to deliver the the design until it's absolutely ready. They don't want to ship the code until they feel like they have every feature that they want. And I hear people a lot of times resist SOPs or documentation because they don't feel like it's ready yet, or they mm. resist delegating something because it's not ready yet. I'm not I'm not ready to delegate that. I'm not ready to create an SOP for that yet. Uh, when when is the appropriate time to Start to document the thing that you're doing so that either, you know, from a consistency standpoint or a delegation standpoint, you know, you can, you can start to do that.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question. And honestly, probably one of the ones I get most frequently. So I'm going to go ahead and start by saying it's okay that you feel <laughs> like you are a perfectionist. I feel that way. I know, Brent, you feel that way. I feel like every person who starts a business and your name is your brand at first, right? Um, you really just want to make sure that everything goes well. Everything's perfect and squeaky clean and flawless. I get it. However... <laughs> To scale a business, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to have your hand on any everything. Um, so that's just an honest fact. And the, the, the even more true uh, fact is is that you don't have to do everything in order for it to still be really, really great. Um, even though you have the 10, 15, 20 years, um, you know, expertise and knowledge and you know, industry um, experience under your belt and in your head, right? You can still come in and say, okay. of this or 60% of this thing, right? If you're say building a a funnel for somebody, right? A lot of folks can set up funnels and wireframe that out, right? And get to a good solid working point, 60, 80% of the way done. And then you, the owner, right? With the industry knowledge, the expertise, you know, that fine attention to detail, come in and do the 20%. Imagine how much time and honestly, how much more exciting your workday would be if you only needed to look at like the top 20% of tasks, right? of like the bottom 80. And I'm not saying that those bottom 80 tasks are less important or whatever not, but they can be trained. And a lot of them are pushing buttons and pulling levers and just making sure that a system is set up properly. That's the stuff you need to get off your plate immediately, right? It's not the... Aesthetic and the you know testing and all the things that you have to make sure that things are going perfectly. It's really the kind of low hanging fruit to you know use a really common term, one that I honestly don't really like. Um, you know, really to take that that small bit off your plate and then be able to come in there at the at the last twenty percent. Now, if you're having trouble, right? If you're struggling with even doing that, right? Start with the smallest things, right? Can they? go in and wireframe the funnel for you, right? And do, let's just say 30% of the work and then just start to shift it, right? Start to shift and say, okay, well, someone is doing about 30% right now. Let's see what that might look like to get them to 40 or 50% of the work so that I can save half my time. Um, because truthfully, your time to the agency is probably the most expensive. And so ultimately, you'll be offloading things, um, hopefully, right? Able to serve more clients with the amount of people that you've got on your team. You can scale um, and you've got you know more uh, more time, more cash in your pocket.
0: Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. Allison, it's been a lot of fun watching your entrepreneurial trajectory. I know you you uh, you know, you helped us out with our last in-person events. You were um, uh, on the podcast before. We had you come in and teach a playbook sprint and some project management courses for our community, which has been a lot of fun. It's been cool to see your growth. I mean... Where do you see your agency going in twenty twenty two? What are the things that you're thinking about from from your own business's perspective?
1: Yeah, um, that's a really great question, and honestly, I've been thinking a lot about it too. I think that I um, I, I took my own prescription, and I, I looked at my business pre pandemic, and I also had a kid in twenty twenty, <laughs> my first baby. So that'll ob- obviously make you think, you know, what do I want my life to look like, and how do I want to you know show up and be? Um, and so I, I really did look at this a little bit. And I still really deeply want to serve agency owners. Um, That's something that I'm really passionate about. Pardon, And something that I think um, I'll never stop doing, right? I I love working with folks one-on-one. I love working with teams. Um, The thing that I think 2022 holds for us is um, a little bit more support to the number twos. um, I've noticed that um, business owners, they don't love all of the... uh, Shop talk around operations, and they don't necessarily want to learn. Right? They want the results. They want to understand what it can do for their business. Um, but really, what I think my big value is 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 working with the number twos, right? Going straight to the source and saying, "Okay, if you can understand what I can understand, or at least a fraction of what I can understand, you can run this business really well and make really, really great suggestions and recommendations on how to, right? And um, you know, streamline something or." Create a new system, or maintain a playbook, or notice when some of the metrics are a little bit off, and where to troubleshoot those, and where the red flags are. And so, I think coming into 2022, I'm really trying to develop a way to do that, um, to to really be in a position where, you know, right now what we do is we do fractional COO work with a lot of our clients, and so they're talking with me. Directly, right? I'm kind of like their stand-in, you know, person who is able to answer a lot of those questions. And so I just want to make sure that we're giving kind of the full 360 support, right, for for businesses and and in you know the future, be able to really be able to support the number twos where the number twos have direct access to me and they're like, hey, listen, I really, really have this problem where the business is facing this specific issue. So that's where I see us going um, in terms of supporting folks and supporting, you know, service businesses and agencies. Um, I don't see a lot changing fundamentally um, with kind of the uh, the things that we are doing with folks, but not for nothing. I just I mean, I'm sure you remember, Brent, like I just love talking shop and I love (laughs) um, doing those types of things. And sometimes I feel like the business owners look at me and they're like, you are speaking Mandarin. I don't understand what you're saying. Um, So I think even that dialogue with the number two might be um, just a little bit better put into implementation, right? Put into action, right? Just like going straight um, to the person who can really start to make the things happen you know, behind the scenes. So that's what I'm really excited about.
0: Well, I know when we did the playbook sprint this last year with our community and we actually created SOPs live with people and and your team supported them and created SOPs for them. And I mean, one of the big shifts we made was usually we would just have, you know, we supported the agency owner and we had team members in those sessions and we had people say like, you know, if it was just me going through this thing, I would have created like one or two SOPs. I think we had two agencies that created over a hundred SOPs in like six weeks. Mm -hmm which was super cool. So I, I think you're onto something there and I'm excited <laughs> to see how that works. And uh, and I'm also excited for your continued participation in the U Academy group. Do you have uh, yeah, uh, Do you have a few moments to stick around and do some lightning round with us?
1: Yes, I forgot about lightning round. Okay, yes, I do. I'm excited. <laughs> what, is,
0: <laughs> what is the best advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, if you're not going to do something right, don't do it at all. My dad.
0: Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success?
1: Personal habits? Um, I'm a runner and I always just get so mentally clear whenever I go for a run. So that's probably my number one.
0: Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable?
1: Oh, yeah. I was just telling you, Crisp with a K. It's a noise background noise eliminator. It's probably one of the reasons why I sound so great today. I just found it um, like last week or the week before. And it's awesome.
0: And what book would you recommend, and why?
1: Ah, book, 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 book. Ooh, I read Elon Musk's biography. Uh, her name begins with an A. Maybe Alice or Ashley, something or other. It was really, really good. Uh, Ashley Vance. That? Yeah, Ashley Vance. That's the one. Yes, yeah, very, very good book. He's an interesting dude. Politics aside, truthfully, he's just an interesting dude.
0: <laughs> totally. I, his uh his twitter is a is a good time uh, <laughs> yes,
1: <it is. laughs>
0: i think he's 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 got uh, superior intelligence to all of us and he figures out how to like just like he plays everybody like like a like a guitar oh, yeah. or something just he just knows we exactly are. what buttons to push right
1: Oh yeah, we're totally in a human experiment in Elon Musk's universe. Like it's so crazy. <laughs> he was on the Joe Rogan show and he was talking about um, like AI, and he was like, uh, "How often do we think of primates?" Basically saying that AI was never going to think about human beings, and they were just going to take <laughs> off. And I was like, "Dude, he definitely just like laid this down and then walked away." <laughs> and all of <laughs> us were left like shaking in the in the shower. <laughs>
0: very nice very nice well we will link out to uh elon musk's biography by ashley vance on our show notes if you were hanging with us today and you're out on a run like allison or on your bike like me or in your car and you're like how do i get these great links and resources you slash podcast and um how could folks find out more about you is there anything that you have that they can check out
1: yeah, head to operations agency. I have a ton of resources. Um, so operationsagency.com. Um, I've got a resources page that has a ton of different free resources depending on where you're at in your operations journey. So I'd encourage you to check that out.
0: Sweet. Well, we will also mm-hmm. add that to that show notes page. So operationsagency.com and we'll also link out to the resources page on the YouGurus show notes page, uguruscom slash podcast. If you listen to this week of you'll see Allison's picture right up there at the top. We'll also link out to Allison's original interview on the Digital Agency Show. And I'm sure in the future, we'll probably have Allison back on the program to check back in with us and make us uh, all feel a little smarter around processes and operations and playbooks and all that good stuff. So thanks for hanging out with us today, Allison.
1: Yeah, of course. It was a pleasure as always.
0: And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.